This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on washing and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. Well, (laughs) I have, as you might imagine, considered many for the appropriate opening words of today's show. And having considered the events of last evening, and this is something you may not even know yet, considering the nature of the events in the last six hours or so, which may even eclipse last night in terms of the revolutionary American politics and political change it represents, after all this due consideration, I have settled on the appropriate opening remarks for today's show. Twerking. Da-da. Twerking. Excelsior! Wow. Partners? Uh, wow. All my life, and for many of you, most of yours, have you ever seen anything like the last 20 hours? Welcome back, dear friends, partners. We are the Blaze Radio Network. I'm Jay Severin. Our number... Uh, of which I am hopeful you will make vibrant use, is one 3393 I am, <clears throat> this is breathtaking to me, and this is, as you know, it's sort of all I've done in my life, and One of the things that I find so astounding is that the last six hours, I don't want you to feel cheated, but you have a life 
and you generally don't get the last six hours. You don't get from, you know, nine o'clock in the morning to three o'clock in the afternoon. I guess that's longer than six hours, but you know, you, you don't usually get that time to just follow the news and nothing else. And I do. And I think the last six to eight hours may represent more of the walking on the moon dimension of this campaign even than does that so-called debate last night. I, I do hope you had the opportunity to listen to or watch the debate. I have never seen anything like it. But then again, that's probably the least imaginative and creative statement I could proffer because neither have you ever seen anything like it, nor has anyone ever seen anything like it because there has never been anything like last night. I kept fantasizing, thinking about and fantasizing. The thinking about part was, I looked at George Bush Sr., God bless him, and I don't think I would, you know, he's not in very good appearance-wise. He's not in very good shape. I don't know that I would, you know, roll him out there and put him in front of the cameras in that condition. I just, there is something to be said for remembering someone as the vibrant person that you knew rather than to haul him out there for probably political motives, you know, the Republican National Committee, and put him on display when he is obviously not at his best, shall we say. But I kept thinking, what must President Bush be thinking? George Bush was president of this country, this country, the same one that put on that spectacle last night. And I'm not complaining about the spectacle. Uh-uh. I'm not complaining. We can we can talk about it in that context if you want, whether or not we should be ashamed, whether or not it represents a degradation of uh, politics and humanity. And, and we could talk about all those things, but that's not my overriding feeling about last night. Is it yours? I just feel like I, f- I felt after I've been to a particularly stunning theatrical performance. Like when I walk out of seeing Cirque du Soleil, I say, whoa, wow. And I know that there are ramifications here, you know, a little more important than uh, the Sun Circus because we're talking about the United States of America. Did you ever see or hear anything like last night? Okay, so I'm thinking of President Bush sitting there seeing that last night. And I wonder if he was ashamed. I know him a tiny bit, a tiny bit, and I'm going to presume to guess that he might have felt ashamed. If not ashamed, he he must have felt tremendously frustrated to look at that stage and say, one of these people, one of the loudest, most theatrical people I'm looking at right now 
one of the biggest fools I'm looking at right now is going to hold the office I held, which happens to be president of the United States. That was my, that was one element of my thought. Another element of my thought, my fantasy part, was to uh, putting on uh, evening clothes and sneaking in to the center there and sidling up to President Bush, whose thinking must have been in the same neighborhood as mine when the words were said to me and lean down and catch the president's eye. And in his eye, I, in my fantasy, I would see a rather wild, desperate look. I like to think that he would vaguely recall maybe who I was and had something to do with his previous kind of life. And there maybe would be a longing in his look. And that longing would say, help me understand what I'm seeing right now. Help me understand what I'm looking at. Help me understand. And I would lean down with the greatest, most sincere affection and respect and say, twerking, Mr. President, twerking. We'll be right back. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on wash and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. Jay Severin. Welcome back, my partners, to the Blaze Radio Network, one 3393 Let's take them in order. What we saw last night, what did we see last night? I want to know what you saw last night. Who did what they needed, who, if anyone, did what you believe they needed to do? We discussed this yesterday for a long time. We do pre-analysis on these things. We always do. Only by doing pre-analysis can you do any useful analysis. And that is knowing what you needed to do going into the game. You, you know what you need to do. You talk to any great football coach. 
we're going to need to keep them to less than – they're going to have to be under 150 yards on the ground. And we can't let him throw for more than 200 yards. Or we have to make sure that their star running back doesn't carry the ball more than X times. If we can do that, then we have, and, and then we do this, we have a shot, okay? Same thing in politics. And everyone who's ever been in the business has done the same thing for the same reasons. And you understand it perfectly well, as I do. Who did what they needed to do last night? Who failed in doing what they needed to do last night? There are a couple schools of thought. There are people who say Ted Cruz won the election because, again, the concept of winning, sorry, the debate, the concept of winning a debate is very different than winning an election because the election, you win or you lose. There's nothing relative. There's nothing comparative. You win or you don't. It's a binary equation. A debate is not a binary equation. If there are 25 people in the debate, and you do what you needed to do, there could be seven other candidates who also did what they needed to do. But that means you're going to end up being the seven after it's winnowed down from 25. So it's still possible to perform and enjoy a victory in a debate, even if you're not the sole winner. Even, Even if public opinion is such that it's not unanimous, that it's far from even a consensus that you won, you can still win. It depends on at what stage of the campaign we find ourselves. So if you did what you needed to do, you, in effect, won because it's all you could do. But as it gets later, all you can do may not be enough. Now, Ted Cruz can be said to have won, can be argued to have won last night's debate in as much as he did, uh, he accomplished, he certainly addressed. You could see he knew that he needed to do something different. And he did endeavor to do it differently. I'm not sure he did it differently enough. And uh, frankly... As I tweeted last night, and as I believe I said on our special broadcast last night, it may be too little too late. I don't mean for the overall campaign. I'm still talking now within the confines of this debate last night. I'm analyzing the debate last night. And did Cruz win? Well, he certainly cannot be said, you know, there's no genuine argument that says he won outright. It was clear that he was the class of the field. He beat everybody else on that stage. Nobody sane can say that Cruz didn't win that campaign. Well, the fact is nobody sane can really say that. What you can say if you're sane and uh, a a reasonable, rational observer of politics is you can look at that debate last night and say, Ted was vastly improved vis-a-vis what he needed to improve. But was it enough to be the consensus winner? No. No. I will go further. 
I think it becomes clear as of last night that a debate with an audience is not Ted's medium. It is not Ted's best medium. I believe that Ted Cruz was last night as good as he can be in a debate, in a in a formally structured debate. Uh, I'm sorry, but that's not really, they're not really that, are they? But in a debate such as we call them, in front of an audience, which again perverts the entire thing, but in those things we call debates, I think Ted was vastly improved. I think he was improved in exactly the ways he needed to improve. I think he did as well as he can be expected to do under those circumstances. But he was not the best debater on the stage. Because there are two styles, and let's, you know, for, for us, can we, I'll, I'll try, if you'll try, to stop calling them debates. They're performances. This is American Idol political division <clears throat> the question is did ted win no he didn't did ted go up and hit sour notes and crap himself no he didn't he did well he did better than he's ever before done imagine how mortifying it is to know that you are the best debater maybe alive the Princeton champion debater, Harvard Law School debater, smartest Harvard Law School student I've ever met, says Professor Alan Dershowitz. But you realize they've changed the rules of the game on you, and they're not real debates. <clears throat> they're performances. They're individual circus performances. Just like when you go to the carnival or the circus, they say, and now in the center ring, the wonder of the rope. The wonder of the trapeze. From trapezium, from the muscles involved. But let's not get into that right now. Uh, the wonder, the elephant boy. Unlike me, the elephant man. But, you know, Ted Cruz did maybe not what he needed to do last night, but it's clear to me he recognized what he needed to do and tried greatly to do that. And I think largely accomplished that. But these things, these separate and sort of simultaneous three-ring circus acts are not real debates, and Ted does not do them that well because Ted is not willing, I think, I just don't think it's in his nature to be a circus clown. And you might say, well, you know what? Then get out. And I might say to you, you're right. I'm not saying get out. I'm for Ted. I've always been for Ted. But there's a very legitimate response to, you know, Ted's not performing very well in what passes for a debate. Well, that's what you bought into, Ted. If you can't compete well in what we call debates, maybe maybe you picked the wrong office. Because one must perform well in these perverse 
circus performances that we call debates. And I think Ted did as well as Ted can probably do. But I don't think that's good enough. I know of no school of thought that says Ted Cruz was the runaway winner in a general sense. He was better than anyone else was last night. He won the debate. I can't say that to you and tell you the truth. And I'm here to tell you the truth. I watched Marco Rubio last night do what I hoped Ted Cruz would do. That was Nuevo Marco last night. That was a brand new Marco Rubio, was it not? You've never seen, I don't know who that person was last night up at the Marco Rubio podium, but it wasn't Marco Rubio, or or maybe it was. But think about it. Either the Marco Rubio you watched last night is the real Marco Rubio, or the Marco Rubio you've seen for the last year on your television every day, maybe that's the real Marco Rubio, but it can't be both. And again, that's not a criticism, believe it or not. I'm just trying to very toss this stuff, just trying to tell the truth. Marco Rubio discovered a new dimension of himself, and he took it out for a test drive last night. And it worked really, really well in the minds of many people. In the minds of some, it backfired. And then, of course, there's Trump. What did you see? Call me. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. on the Blaze Radio Network. And these are my partners. What did you see last night? What do you think it means? Who succeeded, who failed in doing what you know in your bones they needed to do? I think we witnessed the most extraordinary public discourse at this level in the history of the United States of America. And this morning... In watching Rubio in a an open press conference and a couple of rallies, savaging Trump. I mean, making fun of him, essentially calling him a moron and an idiot, and saying that he uh, insinuating that he peed his pants uh, because he was so scared. This I somehow doubt, but uh, but this is what it's it's not the veracity of the claim, really, that we're talking about at the moment. It's the fact that the claim was made that you have two people running for president of the United States. And the morning after what you saw last night, instead of dialing back or tamping down, they hit the road starting at six o'clock the morning in the morning. One saying, yeah, the other guy pissed his pants. Donald pissed his pants. And and there's more, much, much, much more. Donald can't spell. He's an idiot. Uh, Rubio took to the stage and started reading tweets off his cell phone that Donald had sent out. And each of the tweets 
had, you know, gross misspellings in them, which I can't, uh, you know, I'm not going to stand in line to criticize. Uh, I live in a glass house there. I'm not going to throw any stones. But again, the fact that Rubio lined up to mock Trump for being unable to spell and, and then said things like, I don't know, maybe that's how they spell that word at the Wharton School of Business. You see, this is a whole new dimension of attack. This is the Rubio that did not exist before last night, even this morning. Because when Rubio says something like that, you are going ad hominem. You are going to the man. I mean, you are, this is, you know, you know that Trump uh, boasts all the time, and I'm not criticizing him. He boasts all the time of having gone to Wharton and uh, the Wharton Business School as an undergraduate, I believe. But in any case, he boasts of going to Wharton. If you're going to boast, it's nice to have a good school to boast about. Wharton is certainly a fine school. But he, he it's part of his existence. It's part of his fabric of his identity for Donald Trump of boasting about Wharton. And then Rubio gets up on the stage and says, I don't know, this is misspelled, this is misspelled, this is misspelled, this is mangled. Maybe that's the way they do it at Wharton. He's going out of his way to provoke Trump as he did last night because he believes, as he did last night, evidently, that he can get Trump to fly off the handle and that that will hurt Trump and redound to Rubio's credit. Let me say one other word before I welcome our partners on the phone. one 888-900-3393. I don't want to talk about the, the, uh, about Ted Cruz and about Rubio without mentioning Trump. There is a school of thought that says that Trump won last night's debate. Trump behaved in a fashion such, and uttered things that I just didn't think were possible in a nationally televised presidential debate. Did this, at at moments, we just looked at each other, I was with my family, and we said, this is like the Three Stooges. This is like, this is impossible where we're picking up an alternative universe broadcast from the planet Neptune. This can't be happening. And that's what I mean with President Bush Sr. is sitting there and watching this and saying, lo, how the mighty have fallen. This is the office I once held. Nathaniel from California, what did you see? What does it mean? Thanks for your patience. Guru Jay, pleasure, sir. Holy cow. Thank you. <laughs> hey, I, I, I believe that Ted Cruz won the debate last night based on substance and policy. However, I also feel we are officially in the realm of bread and circus here in America <laughs> and that people truly desire entertainment over substance these days. Therefore, I think among the public, you either have Trump or Rubio winning the debate last night. And I can't emphasize this 
too strongly. For those of us with the blessing of doing it for a living or the blessing of a day off or the blessing of our schedule permitting it, I have, just like I've never seen what happened last night, I have never seen a follow-up 12 hours to a debate just before Super Tuesday as I have seen today. Trump has been on tele- Rubio and Trump have been live on television all day. Since 7 o'clock this morning, one or both of them have been on live television just savaging each other. If you've not seen it, wait till you see the clips when you watch whatever television you watch later. Wait until you see the things that they, they make last night seem like a prayer breakfast. The things they said about each other today at their press conferences. And, oh, by the way, let me sneak in here, Nathaniel, on your time, that uh, Rubio was in full flight spinning last night, and that was his plan. Rubio was going to use all day today to savage Trump and you know be on TV everywhere. Trump let him do that for about 45 minutes, and then Trump stepped all over Rubio and crushed him out of today's news coverage by showing up, uh, by flying in Chris Christie. Guru Jay say to fly in Chris Christie to endorse him. And they held joint press conferences and joint campaign rallies, Trump and Christie. And Attorney General, I mean Governor Christie, uh, endorsed Trump. And that and the things Trump said about Rubio and Cruz, but mostly about Rubio, Nathaniel just crushed Rubio out of the virtually out of the media picture today, just stepped on him and virtually eliminated him. Please go ahead. Well, you know, when you have very few morals in your life, as Donald Trump does, you don't care about what happens to other people all that much. So that was probably a pleasure for him to do to Rubio. Um, Well, look, hey, whether I like him or not or or sign on or don't to your observation or assessment of his morals, it was the politically smart thing to do. There There are a few moments sweeter in politics when you can plan, when you know your opponent has a big day laid on and then you can do something to counter program it and crush it. If you could pee on his parade... Oh, that's beautiful. Well, well that's that's, that's really his for, that's his forte. I mean, that's his forte. Um, well, now, uh, I want to also uh, frankly, last, it's the forte thing. of anyone who's going to be successful in national politics. That's just politics. Very, very true. Very true. And and it's always been malicious in that manner. So I, I yeah. can't really say much about that. You know. But last thing, do you uh, think that Christie went ahead and endorsed Trump to get that VP nomination? I think that the, for a variety of reasons to save time, but I'll mention two of them. The similarity in temperament between Christie and Trump, which is going to be put in even starker relief right now because the way that Trump is going to, I predict, uh, Guru Jay say that the way that Trump is going to use Christie and I've said this now for a long time, 
the, the way that Trump's going to use Christie is a, as an attack dog. And I think Christie is going to be extraordinarily good at it. And I think he's going to do it. And I think he's going to do it with gusto. And at the end of six months of Christie as an attack dog, I think everyone's going to see that you've got soulmates here and twin temperaments that may not reflect as beautifully on each other as you might like, you know, ideally. I think that the similarities between them and the and the dirty work that Trump is going to ask Christie to do in the next six months is a demerit in terms of being asked to be a running mate. I also think the fact that they're both New York, New Jersey, they come from the same media market, not just neighboring states, but in terms of politics and media, they come from the same block, you know, the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut metro area. So when they go home at night all their lives and they turn on the local news, you know, Channel 2, Channel 4, Channel 5, Channel 7, it's all the same. They're in the same the same media market. And the story, of course, of selection of vice presidents is a tripartite calculus three parts it's geography you need a vice president to bring you at least one of the following three nathaniel as you know uh geography demography or ideology and ideally maybe he or she can bring two of those things but since they're both tough talking guys from Joyzy, essentially, one from Queens, uh, you know, and the other one from Joyzy. I don't look this year, though. Let, having said all that, let me say, Nathaniel, this year, who, who knows? He could marry Christy. This is Jay Febron on the Blaze Radio Network. It's the Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. And these are my partners, Caleb from Florida. Welcome back. Thanks, Jay, for taking my call. How are you doing? Pleasure. Well, thank you. Awesome. I'm okay, suffering so, overload. I have, oh, if man. this were Jerry's kids, and we had a 42-hour show to do right now, I still wouldn't have enough time to get in the oh, notes I, I, I made. I can't even listen enough and, and catch up with everything. But um, so I think, Ted, I think there's two things that, and, and I've listened to every post-debate show with you and, and Doc and Skip, and you guys say the same thing, that Ted Cruz uh, does not look like he won. He, you say he doesn't do enough. Here's why I think that is, although a fair assessment, um, not, a, um, not true is the best way I can describe it. Right, do you yeah. play golf? Do you play golf? I know the game. Yes. Okay. I, I am not a very good golfer, and I've had the misfortune of playing uh, with and alongside people who are far, far, far better than me. Very and frustrating. The problem, the problem, it's frustrating for both ends, honestly. Yes. It's frustrating for me because I can't – there's nothing that they could tell me that, well, if you just turn your hips this way or turn your shoulders this way, you'd be right. better. Well, right. that, that's not going to make me good enough to even remotely compete with you. 
and they cannot get better by playing alongside them. No, and, and so, plus you get you get the sense that you're holding them up, and your mistakes are when you shank one, you know, you feel all the more kind of you know embarrassed because you're holding up the group, and you know you know they don't do that. I uh, believe me. Yeah. No, I'm not. I say I know the game because I caddied for my father from the age of about eight. Uh, and, and so I learned the game and then I started playing the game, but my lowest scores ever were in the high eighties. So yeah. there you go. That's, I, I'm not a golfer. You know. Right. And so, and so Ted Cruz is a world champion debater. He is, he is argued in front of the Supreme court and Donald Trump repeatedly tells us how he's never been a politician ever in his life. And it shows every time he opens his mouth in front of the debate stage. And so Ted Cruz rips him to shreds every time, but it does not look like he's even trying to do it. And Donald Trump can't even, you know, articulate his policies to make it so that Ted Cruz can ask him a legitimate political policy question. And so Ted Cruz is, you know, infinitely and exponentially smarter than him, but it's not, it never shows because there's no real level of substance to him actually debate. Whereas if it were a one-on-one style debate with Marco Rubio, who I've said should be the, you know, the top, those should be the top two. And it, we should have just stopped it right then and there because those are both clearly Republicans with very, very distinct differences. And they're mm-hmm. both very good and they're both very smart. And so they could actually challenge each other on things. Whereas Donald Trump can't challenge anybody on any political level. And, it, and that's why Marco Rubio did so well last night is because he was able to just kind of remove the policy barrier of, of try to show that. How sad and hilarious was it when, I mean, they talk about Christie trapping Rubio a couple of weeks ago. That's nothing compared to when Rubio got Trump last night on the insurance policy lines and all Trump could keep saying was the lines. We'll take away the lines. Right. And there'll be lots of plans. It will be beautiful. And Rubio laughed in his face and said, "That's your plan? That it'll be beautiful? Then tell us your plan. There'll be lots of plans. It'll be beautiful." And he he showed him up as a as an imbecile. All right, I'm in the countdown, Caleb. I appreciate the call. I hope to hear from you again very soon. More when we return. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Said three ways is an honest, insightful reaction to the 24 hours we've just been through, including the debate and the unbelievable day, news day so far that is today, where they have attacked each other far worse, far worse than they did last night. One reaction is stews of our own. Blaze Radio Network. Stu tweeted last night, if Wolf, meaning Wolf Blitzer, if Wolf had balls, he'd ask Donald Trump why he looks like a sweet potato in a suit. (laughs) That's a good one. Uh, And another one 
might simply be twerking, Dada. Twerking. Excelsior. Welcome back, partners. What did you see last night? I'm Jay Severin. We are the Blaze Radio Network. We never close, and we pay attention. I've paid attention for quite a while, and I have never seen anything. I knew, Guru Jay say, yesterday, that last night was expected to be a different kind of affair, that things would happen, unusual things. And unusual things did happen, didn't they? But that was an easy guess, wasn't it? Everyone knew how very likely it was that unusual things would occur last night. But this goes far beyond the realm of unusual. It's you know, it's easy. It's 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 a cheap out to be able to say, "Wow, I've never seen anything like that before," and let it go at that, because that's what I'm hearing. You know, you turn on MSNBC. Wow. Never seen any like this before. Okay, great. Is that your analysis? What we set up yesterday, as we always do, and now we have set the table for ourselves in advance for today by doing our pre-analysis, our homework, is now we're prepared to do analysis. And that is, we know that certain teams had to go into that game last night and do certain things. Did they? We discussed who needed to do what or avoided doing what. What did you see last night, partners? What did you see last night? When I say who won, I don't think there is going to be any consensus about who beat everybody else. If you define winning as there was one winner and four losers and one person clearly won the debate, I think we are too late in the process for that to have any real meaning. It could it could happen, and if it happened, if I'm wrong, if that's what happened, or if uh, it happens, because there's another debate next week, if it happens, it will be important. But at this point, more realistically, winning means, did you improve your position and or did you harm the position of your competitor or competitors. What did you do strategically? Other than show up, what did you do? I'm asking you, what did you see last night? What happened? What did we see? In that regard, who won and lost? Who improved their position? Even if they didn't win overall, who improved their position last night? Who did not? One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. Uh before we go to our partners on the phone, it's also worth mentioning that though Kasich made some noise, uh, you know, I barely remember him being there. Uh and 
I think this notion that a virtual unknown gets into this and hopes to pin his all of his ambitions on one state, in this case, Ohio. You know, I think running for president means putting yourself out there and competing in a number of representative states across the country to see if the American people dig what you have to say. Right? And if all of a sudden you come up with some magic formula, uh, some consultant says to you, you know what? All you really have to do, you're from Ohio, and the Republicans can't win without Ohio. Uh, Same argument could be made, for instance, about Florida or Texas. And so they go to a politician in in Texas or Florida, you know, or on the Democrat side, New York, California. And they say, you know what? As long as you can have your home state in play, you can either win this thing or you could be a broker. You could decide who wins. So you can leverage this into the vice presidency. I think that is horse hockey. I think that's manure. You should have to run a national campaign. Again, I'm not saying it's unconstitutional. I just think it's horse manure. I think you should have to honestly present yourself and run to a representative swath of states and Americans to test whether what, who you are and what you are and what you believe and what is your agenda is something that Americans like. That's not what Kasich is doing. Kasich ought to get out. He ought to get out now. And since I feel that way about Kasich, you can probably imagine how I feel about Dr. Carson. No one's prepared to say they don't like Dr. Carson. He's a very likable guy. He just has absolutely no business up on that stage. And last night, the most politically correct crowd in the world, the questioners of CNN, the editorial you know, directors of CNN, were aware at every given moment in our special last night, Skip was great in keeping us knowledgeable of how many minutes everybody had to speak. And Carson got to speak like minus 30 seconds. And who missed him? At this stage, Dr. Carson has no business up on that stage. and Or at this point, sorry, he has no business up on that stage. And frankly, the consolation there is no harm, no foul. Dr. Carson really isn't doing anything to upset anybody or upset the race because he's just not a factor in this race. He's just, he has ceased to be an asterisk even. He has ceased to be a prospective factor, let alone an active one in this campaign. So I suppose if he wants to hang out, there is no harm done, except as we saw last night, the less crowded that stage gets, the more theater we get. Whether or not you particularly enjoy the kind of theater we saw last night, and it'll take a while to figure out because we've never seen theater at this level like we've seen last night. No one running for president has ever behaved like they behaved last night. And again, man, are you in for a treat if you have not yet seen the clips of what Rubio and Trump 
have said and done to each other since about 7 o'clock this morning, Eastern Time. They have spent the day savaging each other. Last night is a prayer breakfast compared to what Rubio and Trump have done against each other today. It has completely changed the news cycle. It has virtually, it's diminished, it's, it, it is virtually washed out coverage of the debate. I say virtually. There'll still be a lot of coverage of the debate in tonight's news cycle. But it's going to be far less voluminous, uh, and it's going to go away far quicker because of what they've done to each other today. Because those clips are more entertaining than last night. And as you know, in politics, as in regular news, if it bleeds, it leads. The Jay Severin Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back, partners. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. Rocky's next. Before we go to him, let me just throw this in. There, every once in a while, something will occur. Something, some nugget that is maybe tremendously significant, but gets buried at that moment because it just gets buried. Maybe it doesn't seem important at that moment. But one of the one of those that stands out for me, among others, that illustrates a, a native cruelness in Trump that bothers me a lot. Trump has evidently has a native, naked, instinctive enjoyment to be mean-spirited, to try and wound other people as a first resort, not as a comeback, not as a defense, but as a first resort, a first resort. I know I can be a wise guy, but I'm never a wise guy unless I'm doing it for laughs and I never do it at anyone's expense unless maybe I'm coming back at them in defending myself. So just so you don't think I'm, you know, being hypocritical here. I'm uneasy with people who like to, who seem comfortable with cruelty. The nugget from last night was Hugh Hewitt, who was the white-haired questioner on the panel. The first thing that Trump said to him, all he said to Trump was, on my show last year, you promised to show your tax returns. Will you still keep that promise? Because, you know, we've got the transcripts and the tape. And Trump said, well, who cares? No one listens to you. Nobody listens to your show. No, it's true. That's true. Look at the ratings. He gets no ratings. Nobody listens to you. It takes a special kind of person as a first resort to look at someone 15 feet away in a setting like this, 
And in response to an utterly reasonable inquiry, try to wound that person as much as possible as a first resort, as an instinct. So when we talk about temperament and character, is that worth mentioning? Rock A, welcome back. Yes, sir, my dear friend. Yes, it is worth mentioning. <laughs> I'm glad you think so. One. Oh, that's awesome. That's that's exactly the trait that I dislike about Trump. You know, I think about George and Barbara Bush out there in the audience and just ah. how really, like you talked about earlier. And, you know, there used to be a time in this country when, you know, you met somebody and you go, Hi. Nice to see you. How are you tonight? Hugh Hewitt didn't deserve that from Donald. That was totally uncalled for. He asked him a question, a legitimate question, and out of the blue, Trump slams him even before he did anything harmful to him. Yep. uh, Uh, By the way, uh, Hugh Hewitt happens to be, as long as we're comparing figures here, uh, Hugh Hewitt happens to be Harvard cum laude, class of 78. But I just thought I'd mention that because, you know, what Hugh Hewitt didn't do is respond by saying, Donald, I would be wounded if I weren't speaking to someone who is by breeding intellect and judgment such an inferior character, you know, to myself. So, I mean... he would have had every right to do that. That was classy on his part. Not that I'm a Hugh Hewitt fan, but I kind of no, like, me either. But you know, he was I like he was very classy. To brush it certain, off. Yeah, to have a decorum with one another. I, yeah. I, you know, it's not a lot to ask. It would have been nice <laughs> of him to like you know give him a little space. I mean, if, if you want to slam him because he slams you, that'd be one thing. Right. Can you imagine George Bush Sr., Rocky? Because you brought him up and I brought him up earlier. Can you imagine George Bush Sr. or Jr.? But George Bush Sr. saying that under the same circumstances? No, he wouldn't do that. Not in a billion years. I really do think that they took advantage of him. That that was just sad for them to have to be there to see all this. um, On the other hand, I must say... I'm looking forward to, you know, you have my undivided attention when this show's on, and then I'll be watching Glenn's program after this. But after that, I'm looking forward to seeing some of the comments that Trump and Rubio have had with each other today. Oh, I, brutal. I thoroughly enjoyed the uh, the anguish twerking, uh, the high tension of tonight's or last night's debate. I couldn't go to sleep till 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Really wound up. So I'll have to try and watch as early as I possibly can. No, I'm today. with I'm with you. I know I can't eat. I have to, you know, I get off the air at midnight. I've got to wind down. I have a drink. I've got to wait. Then I eat. That's then right. I digest. Then I'm watching the shows. And before you know it, it's like you know three o'clock. Oh, you mentioned Carson earlier. This is kind who? Of funny. Uh, uh, Car- Carson Ben. Yeah, you who? That guy's. The guy, the guy that uh, used to wear the surgical mask and oh yeah, that guy. That, that guy right. there. Yeah, I have a good. I had a good friend of mine that has a 
a relative in the hospital and she couldn't get contact with the debate, so I was live tweeting her. And I, I got into, there was a rhythm to the way that the, the terms were made last night. It went like Trump, Rubio, Cruz, Kasich, Carson, and they kept repeating right. it. I don't know if anybody noticed right. that, but because I was tweeting, I did. And so everybody got their intro. First time around, Carson gets a question. He's, what? <laughs> Second <laughs> time around, Carson gets a question. What? Third time around, fourth time around, they just skipped from Kasich back to Trump. So it went around. If anybody watches the full debate again, watch. They actually bypassed Carson over. I think they're like, yeah. just let him sleep for a while. <laughs> Rocky, I know every time we talk virtually, every time we we speak, you tell us something about the land, you know, the earth, because you're so close to it. And that's what you do. And I really tremendously value that. And every time we watch a debate, there is a media lesson in there, as long as you're, you know, watching or listening for it. And there was what you've just illustrated is as important in the media world. And I'm not saying they're equally important, God knows. But in the media world, you've just done the equivalent illustration of crop rotation. And that is in radio, what you learn on day one is play the hits. Now, when you take that and expand it over the entire realm of possibilities in the industry, no matter what kind of radio you're in play the hits and it's true for tv and that's what they did last night rocky they played the hits and carson ain't a hit so no you know they they measure their their quarter hours on in tv they measure their ratings by quarter hours and you can see the spike go up and down and every time the cameras swing to trump uh or last night rubio or cruz the spike goes up when the camera swings to carson it spikes down if you're the director they're yelling at you play the hits ignore carson did you notice that uh uh our uh, uh, he's posed that uh christy will be taking down his obama uh posters of him on the beach now I, I think, Rocky, we're in a countdown here. I think, Rocky, that uh, that uh, Christie's going to be a, an extraordinarily effective attack dog and attorney general. Jay Severin. Excelsior. The Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back, partners. one 3393 Among my tweets last night, which serve as my notes largely for today, I, uh, I posted this. Ted, I believe you are doing well as you can, which I think was very well indeed. But debate ain't your medium. I said this on the show yesterday before I tweeted it last night watching the debate. Ted was doing as well as he can do at at what this thing is last night. Don't tell me the Princeton debate champion 
the Harvard Law School student, the smartest Alan Dershowitz has ever seen, guy who's argued successfully in front of the United States Supreme Court as Solicitor General, don't tell me that he's flummoxed by Donald Trump or Marco Rubio. But the problem is what we saw last night is not actually a debate. Not really what we call... Essie, you're going to have to wait. Sit down. You have to sit down and wait. I'll take care of you when I can. Uh, It's not really a debate by definition. Otherwise, he'd be doing better. But he's never going to do better at what we call debates. That ain't his medium. Rubio is simply better at it. Whatever it is, Rubio's better at it. And he's better at provoking Trump. And as for needing Texas... It's this Tuesday, and Ted, you may I call you Ted? You do. You need Texas. And the beauty part is, right now, there is no poll that doesn't show you in the lead. Now, I don't, I am not at all sanguine. I am not at all confident. I want to be confident. I want you, and I know it's proportional. You could win uh, and still, like, get one more delegate than Trump or the same number of delegates. You know what? Doesn't matter. As long as you win, you know, like you lost by two-tenths of a point in South Carolina, as long as you win by one-tenth of a point in Texas, then the media can't write, Cruz loses home state. That's the thing. You want to know your strategic imperative Ted, you've, you are an extraordinary fellow. I worship at the altar of your credentials. Here are mine. Campaigns since you were in middle school, probably. And I'm telling you, you cannot have a headline that says Cruz loses home state. And if you can manage to win your home state, and again, one of the problems is, but this will get buried. One of the hard truths is, and you know this best and brightest, no one should have to fight that hard for their home state. If you're going to be a successful national candidate, you should not have to have your home state in doubt. Huh? So let's bury for the moment that Ted's home state is very much in doubt. Ted? Just win, baby. Just win. Just prevent that headline that says Cruz loses home state. Because if you can do that, notwithstanding the fact that it should have been a layup for you, it should have been a slam dunk for you, you know what? We have a word for that. It's called history. It's the past. It's history. If you win Texas, you won Texas. And do you know what happens instantly? Guru Jay say, Guru Jay is saying, holy cow, Guru Jay say, if Ted wins Texas on Tuesday, the instant 100% media obsession shifts to Rubio and whether he can win his home state of Florida, like 10 days hence, And right now, the difference is Ted Cruz is ahead in Texas, ahead of Trump. But Rubio is double digits behind Trump in Florida. 
if Cruz wins Texas on Tuesday and Rubio loses Florida to Trump on SEC Tuesday, then you are looking at a new instant meme. The instant meme as of Tuesday, if Cruz wins Texas, is can Rubio, you know, will Rubio lose his home state? If Rubio does lose his home state, the new instant meme becomes it's a two-man race, Trump and Cruz. Guru J say that's how this works. You know I know, and you know I'm right. And at this point, I'm sure you're way ahead of me. So you 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 know how this works. I have one other question. How did Chato get credentials last night? Now, this only works if you know who Chato is, and almost no one who's living remembers who Chato is. But how did she get on that panel last night? You know, I am not a xenophobe, but... No, I'm not a xenophobe, period. But may I ask why I have to sit and struggle? I had my family asking me, what did, Daddy, what did she say? What, what did she say? And I, it, half the time, I couldn't tell them. Why do I have to struggle to understand a, a panelist questioner in an American presidential debate? Speak American, as I tweeted. And the response I got was typical. There is no American, you pig, you xenophobe pig. There is no such thing as American. Yes, there is. It's called English. Speak American. Speak American or don't speak to me. Don't make me and my family struggle to try and understand what a questioner on a presidential panel is trying to say because she sounds more like Charo from the Johnny Carson show, uh, coochie, coochie, than she does like someone I could try to understand, you know, seriously, journalistically. Plus, she wasn't there to ask questions. She was there to indict. Did you get this? Did you did you get that she didn't ask any questions? There was no question mark at the end of her sentences. Those were those were attacks. The only question mark was when she said, "Get it, get it." How dare you? Do I get it? What do you? Where do you come off asking me whether I get it? I'm running for president of the United States. I can't even understand what you're saying. Do I get it? How did you get here? Do I get it? And then she went on with a series of attacks. Well, you know, the Telemundo poll of uh, Mexicans says that. What? The Telemundo poll of Mexicans? What? How is that evidentiary here? Your Honor, someone put a stop to this madness. What do I care about? What? Why do I, why should I ever care about a Telemundo poll of other than American citizens? Why not show me polls of what polls think? You know, people in Poland. 
I love the polls. But they have something in common with most of the Telemundo audience. They're not citizens of this country. They're citizens of a country. They're just not citizens of my country. Why should I have to listen to this? Why should I have to struggle to translate the, not the questions, but the indictments of someone whose English is so poor, I can't understand her. And then she says the end, get it? Get it? Why don't you get this? What? Hello? Ice? Could you come down here, please, with with a, a database of some kind? I, I think I may, there must be some statute here that's, that's a, that we can use to check this person out. Do I get it? Why don't you get this? Why don't you show me that you should be up there to begin with? I thought I would have thought one of the requirements was to speak fairly mellifluous English so that, you know, people wanting to understand the issues could understand the issues. And I'm sitting on the edge of my seat, straining, leaning forward, trying to help my family understand what she's saying. And what she's saying is, well, according to the Telemundo poll of people who speak Spanish, they don't like you. That's what she was saying. Did you hear it? They, they, they don't like you, Senator Cruz. Oh, really? They don't like me? Oh, well, but, well El Boohoo. El Boohoo. Are you kidding me? And so, other than that, I had no objections to it, and I'm going to keep an open mind. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. And these are my partners. I, I mean, wow. I, I, wow. Uh, it's breathtaking. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. To, well, yes, I mean, it, I, I do know what's going to happen during the weekend. This thing is like a cement truck with a broken handbrake at the top of a hill. It's going downhill fast, furious. I mean... We're going to see exchanges between these candidates. There is a chance that simultaneously, coincidentally, their advisors will get to them and say, all right, all right, all right, let's just back off for a second. Because clearly the next step in this is is Derringer's at dawn. The next thing here is a duel at dawn. There's nothing left except for one of these three guys to step up to the other and... Uh, and pull off his silk glove one joint at a time and slap the other across the chin and say, pistols at dawn, name your second. That's it's the only place to go from here. So they're either going to do the equivalent of that or they're going to settle down. I'm guessing pistols or Rhetorically, pistols. What did Chris Christie want? I think he wanted attorney general. I think he wanted vice president, but I don't think he'll get that. But I think he'll get attorney general. 
I don't know if Donald Trump keeps promises. And we also are jumping way ahead of ourselves because we have no idea whether Donald Trump is going to become. Who, who hit that button? President of the United States. But uh, what Chris Christie wanted was attorney general, I would think, at least. All day long. Rubio has been hammering. I mean, last night's nothing. Wait till you see tonight's coverage. Rubio uh, said today that he believes that Donald Trump pissed his pants last night. And there's more. There's much more. Donald Trump today went to take a drink of water on stage at his rally, and he said, this is Rubio. And he sprinkled the water through threw the water on the stage in an act of mockery. Like, this is Rubio. And he, like, spilled the bottle of water and threw it to his right, threw it to his left. And then he, like, made this 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 strangling mock position of, uh, 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 I'm, like, dying at the microphone because of some reference he had made to Rubio sweating so heavily that he was, he was drinking the water so fast he thought he was going to choke. I mean, this is... They're go. They're going for the veins in the throat at this point. And Rubio Nuevo, thank you, B. Rubio Nuevo, uh, does that last through the weekend? I don't know. Is this what Rubio think wins him his home state of Florida? How does it affect what Trump does? Because now Rubio needs to attack Trump, right? Because Rubio has to win Florida because he hasn't won anywhere, right? But by attacking Trump, which he needs to do, is he helping Ted Cruz? Because before Rubio gets a chance to defend his home state of Florida, Ted Cruz runs against Trump and Rubio in three days. So... Rubio is stuck in a very interesting place, is he not? If he lays off Trump so as not to help Cruz in Texas on Tuesday, then he gives he gives Trump that extra three or four days without being attacked. Well, by the way, I think that bird has flown. I think Rubio is going after, I think Rubio has joined the Machateros, I really, I think the next time you see Rubio, he's going to have on some kind of like kung fu outfit, and he's going to be wielding the flying fists of effing fury. He's going to be have like 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 throwing stars and numkut sticks and 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 machetes and everything else. I mean, this guy's going after Trump, and if he does it effectively, guess what's going to happen? He's going to make Trump bleed between now and Tuesday which is going to help Ted Cruz hold Texas. I love this stuff. Have a safe and loving weekend. Be sure to be back here on Monday, would you? Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network.